Welcome again to another session of Explore the Bible series. We're in the third lesson in the book of Micah, scheduled for November 27, 2022. This is the, the last lesson in the Minor Prophets and the book of Micah. Hope is found in God's promised salvation to those who trust Him. Key verse for today is chapter 7, verse 7. But as for me, I watch and hope for the Lord. I wait for God, my Savior, my God will hear me. So as we look at this lesson, we're going to highlight God's expectations for us. We'll note how Israel's moral decline and disobedience would result in judgment. But there was hope for the future. We're going to focus on how Micah declared his own personal intent of waiting on the Lord for deliverance and how he described God as faithful to forgive and one who keeps his promises, the promises he made to Abraham. We'll reflect on today's culture and how it might compare to Israel in Micah's time. We'll see that God's compassion and faithfulness, his faithfulness to forgive, will provide hope for you and me today. So can you think of a time when something was worth the wait? Maybe waiting for a friend or family member coming home from deployment after being gone more than a year, or the release of a new book that you couldn't wait to start reading because you love that specific author, and, or a holiday, a vacation that you've been long waiting to take, and it, the time is finally coming worth the wait. So in today's session, Micah recognized uh, that waiting is difficult, uh, but was confident that there was hope in the Lord. So the background of today's lesson we contains Micah's final message. It begins with the imagery of a lawsuit brought by God against the people of Israel. Uh, Israel and Judah had violated God's covenant. Therefore, they were in breach of contract for breaking their treaty with Yahweh. This followed the cultural patterns of the society. There were witnesses that were called, evidence that was presented, defense was given, and a verdict was reached. Micah called on the mountains and hills and foundations of the earth to be witnesses. It's kind of fitting that he called on these things to bear witness uh, because the original covenant is read in Deuteronomy 4 verse 26, I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you. So after calling on his witnesses, God initiated his case against Israel by recalling his faithfulness to his people to keep his covenant that he had made with them. And he reminds them, I delivered you from Egypt. I provided uh, godly leaders for you. I protected you from your enemies, and I made a way for you to enter the promised land. However, <laughs> however, what a big word. Instead of keeping the covenant with the Lord, 
by doing three things, acting justly, loving the Lord faithfully, and walking with him in humility. We see those outlined in Micah 6, 8. They thought they could appease him by offering an abundance of sacrifices, but God didn't want their sacrifices. The people's sins were so glaring that no defense could be made. The Lord reminded them of the curses he, he promised to bring, them, bring upon them for breaking his covenant with them, with him, declaring that they were, those curses were about to happen to them. So Micah's message ended with a lament, an expression of sorrow or grief. Uh, there was also a message of hope prophet looked beyond the present predicament of his people to the future where the Lord would restore the fortunes of his covenant people. So the message concludes with a prayer extolling God's power, his forgiveness, his loving kindness, and his loyalty to Abraham and Jacob and the descendants for whom he committed himself to in his covenant. Micah lamented the destruction that was coming to Israel for her disobedience. He pointed to the lack of faith, people, lack of faithful people, and the prevalence of sin in the world. Neither friends nor family could be trusted according to this, this passage. So we see in Micah chapter 7, verses 1 through 6, the reality is defined. Pictures how uh, Micah viewed both himself and God's people in Israel and Judah. Verse 1, what misery is mine? I am like one who gathers summer fruit at the gleaning of the vineyard, there's no cluster of grapes to eat, no, uh, none of the early figs that I crave. The faithful have been swept from the land. Not one upright person remains. Everyone lies in wait to shed blood. They hunt each other with nets, both hands, both hands are skilled in doing evil and the ruler demands gifts. The judge accepts, uh, the ruler demands evil. The judge accepts bribes. The powerful dictate what they desire and all conspire together. So the best of them is like a briar. The most upright, worse than a thorn hedge. The day God visits you has come. The day your watchmen sound the alarm. Now is the time of your confusion. Do not trust a neighbor. Put no confidence in a friend. Even with the woman who lies in your embrace, guard the words of your lips. For a son dishonors his father and a daughter rises up against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies 
or the members of his own household. So we see, if you look with me in 1 Kings verse 19, uh, chapter 19, verse 10, it, it reads, he replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. <clears throat> I am the only one left and not and now they are trying to kill me as well. So we see the same emotions that Elijah has in this King, first Kings passage that, that, that Michael has, similar emotions. So looking at the Bible Knowledge Commentary, Micah's bemoaning of the nation's sins. He bemoans his position in the midst of a people who were totally godless. He lamented the evil times in which they lived. He felt like a person who goes into the field to pick fruit, but finds it's all gone. No grapes, early figs were left for him to eat. In like manner, the nation was devoid of godly people, people who are loyal or faithful, who have a loyal love for God people who were upright. It was as if each person were hunting his brother, trying to kill him. Uh, this violence and lack of loyalty is described here. And the only thing the people could do well, sadly enough, was sin. So in the government, the rulers rule only in favor of those who gave them gifts, even if justice was cast aside. So in the courtroom, the judge accepted bribes. The powerful, rich, uh, the rich and influ influential people uh, got whatever they wanted. The leaders even conspired together uh, in taking advantage of others, even the best of the leaders were like a briar. The worst are worse than a thorn bush. What God's true prophets, the nation's watchmen, warning of impending uh, danger had predicted was someday uh, coming true. God would visit the people in judgment, it says, and they would be confused, not knowing what to do. So verse five and six, the situation was so bad <clears throat> that even familiar relationships were despised. Neighbors, friends, spouses, children turned against each other. Treachery was so rampant that a person's own family members had become his enemies. So among God's people, Micah saw a rise in wickedness, a rise in rebellion, a rise in persecution of the righteous. And he observed corrupt leaders providing false messages and leading the people in the wrong direction. He saw people who thought they were above judgment and could give lip service to God while living as they pleased. 
the national situation seemed hopelessly caught in a cycle of sin and judgment. He knew, Micah knew, society was collapsing. The family was collapsing. His heart was broken. So Micah declared his intention of waiting on God, trusting in him for salvation, and he expressed hope at the considered day in which God would deliver those who remained faithful to him. So salvation is discovered in verses 7 through 10. We listen for Micah's personal confidence and hope for the future. Verse 7, but as for me, I watch in hope for the Lord. I wait for God, my Savior, my God will hear me. Do not gloat over me, my enemy. Though I have fallen, I will rise. Though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. Because I have sinned against him, I will bear the Lord's wrath until, until he pleads my cause, my case, and upholds my cause. He will bring me out into the light. I will see his righteousness. Then my enemy will see it and will be covered with shame. She will say to me, where is the Lord your God? My eyes will see her downfall even now. She will be trampled underfoot like mire in the streets. So let's look at the actions that Micah indicated he would take. He would watch, he would wait, he would hear, and God's response to his actions would be, he would plead his cause, he would uphold his cause, he would bring him out into the light, and he would see, he would be able to see God's righteousness as a result. Looking at the notes from the Life Application Bible, Micah showed great faith in God, both personally and on Israel's behalf as he proclaimed four things. He proclaimed that he would wait upon God because God hears and saves when help is needed. Number two, he would God would bring his people through when times were tough. Number three, Israel must be patient in punishment because God would bring them out of the darkness and finally their enemies would be punished. So we too can have a relationship with God that can allow us to have confidence like Micah's. It doesn't take unusual talent. It simply takes faith and faith in God and his willingness to act on that faith. Micah understood that if people would be patient, if they would be obedient while they were being punished, 
that God would forgive them and he would show his goodness to them. Punishment does not mean rejection. The people were being punished in order to bring them back to God, not to send them away from him. When you face trials because of your sin, do not be angry with God or afraid that he has rejected you. Instead, turn away from your sin, turn to God, and continue to be patient and obedient. Micah declared God to be like no other by showing compassion through forgiveness. Micah reminded his hearers of God's faithfulness to his promise. So we look at the last section, verses 18 through 20 of Micah 7. Forgiveness is celebrated. We see the characteristics of God that are highlighted in these verses. Who is a God like you who pardons sin and forgives transgressions of men of his inheritance? You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. You will again have compassion on us. You will tread out our sin underfoot and hurl all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. You will be faithful to Jacob and show love to Abraham as you pledge an oath to our ancestors in days long ago. So we see some different words for sin here. The word uh, uh, clearly sin is one word used. Iniquity is another word used. Transgression is a third word used. Missing the mark is an old New Testament term that describes sin as just God's mark for you and you're missing his mark. He has four different verbs for forgiveness, pardon, the word forgiveness, mercy, and compassion. So we see these clarified in your personal study guide on pages, pages 124 and 125. In the ESV Study Bible, the notes show us that that phrase, who is a God like you? What an incredible question. The question underscores the peerless nature of God who defends and pardons his people. He does this because he delights in steadfast love. This provides the basis for why God forgives and relents of his anger. The divine and prophetic confrontation as a result of Israel's sin yields to uh, the feeding and the forgiving of his inheritance. Verse 19 says, cast into the depths. It's the concept that as God cast the Pharaoh's army into the depths of the sea, he he will deal decisively with our sins, cast them into the depths. And verse 20 talks about faithfulness, a steadfast love that God has, has sworn to show us. 
The book rightly concludes by summarizing the foundational attributes and actions of the covenant-keeping God. Sees mention the days of old God's character, his steadfast love moves him to keep his word, to keep his faithfulness, and thus the old promises uh, to our father Abraham and Jacob still stand today. So what problems arise when we trust more in our ability to stop sinning than God's ability and desire to forgive? Let me read verse 20 again. You will be faithful to Jacob and show love to Abraham as you pledge on, as you pledge on oath to our ancestors in days long ago. We note the eternal relationship that continues today as we trust Christ for our salvation, as we seek his forgiveness, and as we find him as our source, our only source of hope. The applications for today's lesson are, number one, The sin of our world should break the hearts of believers, should break our hearts. Second one is believers can wait expectantly for God's full salvation. And finally, believers can celebrate God's forgiveness, his compassion, and his faithfulness available to us every day. Thank God for his faithfulness. Praise him for for the hope we have through Jesus Christ and for his compassionate forgiveness of our sins. Ask him to grant us patience as we wait. I close with the song, Great is thy faithfulness, O God my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not as thou hast been. Thou forever will be. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Oh, Lord, we thank you. Praise you for your faithful work in our life. May we share that truth with all who will hear. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.